Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalamu Ala Habibillah, Sayyidina wa Maulana Muhammad ibn Abdillah, Wa Ala Alihi wa Sahbihi, Wa Man Wala, Amma Ba'd, Faqad Qala Allahu Jalla wa Ala Fi Kitabihi Al-Majid, Ba'd A'udhu Billahi Min Al-Shaytan Al-Rajim, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, وَقَالَ الَّذِي اشْتَرَاهُ مِنْ مِصْرَ لِمْرَأَتِهِ أَكْرِمِي مَثْوَاهُ عَسَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعَنَا أَوْ نَتَّخِذَهُ وَلَدًا وَكَذَلِكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلِنُعَلِّمَهُ مِنْ تَأْوِيلِ الْأَحَادِيثِ وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ <تصفيق> Sadaqallahu'l-Azim. Last <clears throat> week we started the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. And we mentioned that the story of Yusuf alayhi salam in the Quran is one of the most unique stories. Because unlike any other story, the narrative that comes about Yusuf alayhi salam is one where all the details of the story are mentioned in one place and they're mentioned in a chronological order. Even though there are many other prophets that are mentioned in the Qur'an, there's no prophet whose story is mentioned chronologically and all in one place. I believe if we look at, for example, the story of Musa salam and all the incidents that are related in the Qur'an regarding Musa salam and his life his youth, his stay in Madian, him going back to Fir'aun, him being with Bani Israel, most probably, if we compile all of those verses together, we will find that the story of Musa, Musa is much longer than the story of Yusuf. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings the story of Musa in different places in the Quran. And Whatever was important and whatever was relevant at that time or in that place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed those ayat as such. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala considered, according to His wisdom, which part of the story, which ayat should be placed where in the Qur'an, that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed it. So no doubt, even though the story of Musa salam, or the story of Ibrahim salam, or the story of any other prophet, that comes in the Qur'an. Even though it's not mentioned in a chronological order, there is no doubt divine wisdom in their placement, wherever they may be. Wherever those incidents may be mentioned in the Qur'an, there is a divine wisdom behind that. Just like there is divine wisdom in bringing Yusuf salam's story in one place in a chronological order. But nonetheless, this is a unique feature that only the story of Yusuf والسلام, has that uh, the whole story of Yusuf والسلام, is mentioned in one place chronologically. So we began the story of Yusuf والسلام, last week and we're continuing it today and most likely we may not be able to finish the whole story of Yusuf والسلام, today uh, and I'm hoping that next Monday we're able to complete the story but we'll try to get through as much as we can today. And I also mentioned that because uh, the story of Yusuf salam is in one place, um, we can follow along in the Qur'an. So if somebody has a mushaf available, you have wudu 
um, then it's a good idea if you keep the Musaf in front and inshallah we'll go through the surah and I'll point out the ayat as we go along. So last week we left off in the story of Yusuf where his brothers had thrown him in the well and they returned home at night crying claiming that a wolf ate Yusuf and their father recognized that that was not true and uh, during that time Allah knows best how many days Yusuf remained in the well but during that time uh, a caravan passed through that well and in order to draw some water when they drew it Yusuf held on to the rope to the bucket and as they pulled it up they found that there was this young beautiful boy in this well that was ayah number uh, 19 that a caravan came through they sent an individual to go fetch some water and as he fetched the water when he, when he pulled the bucket up he found a young boy there they hid him with their other merchandise. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of what they did. Here about this ayah, there are two different opinions of the Mufassirun. Some say, refers to the brothers of Yusuf. That when they found out, that there was a caravan that's going past and they took Yusuf in order to make sure that it doesn't come back to them they actually went back to the caravan and they told them that this is a, a slave of ours we'll sell him to you and for a very small price they sold it why because they sold him because they didn't want anything to do with Yusuf and so in order to just get get it off their hands to get you know Yusuf off their hands they for a very small amount of price, they sold Yusuf to them. And they were Zahid. Actually, the linguistic meaning of Zahid is to not have any raghba, to not have any desire or inclination towards something. They had no inclination towards Yusuf, they just wanted to get rid of him. Others say that it's possible that Washarahu Bithaman in Baksin is referring to the the caravan and the merchants that were in the caravan. Why? Because they found this boy. Right? They don't know whose boy this is. They don't know if he's a slave or what the, the story behind him is. And they travel to Egypt. And in Egypt, they want to, you know, without any questions asked, they want to sell him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But nonetheless, Yusuf salam was brought to then Egypt. This is how Bani Israel ends up coming to Egypt. Right? Later on, generations later, when they're under the control of Fir'aun. And Fir'aun has subdued them. How did they go from Palestine, Palestine to here? From Masjid al-Aqsa all the way here? This is the story. It's because of Yusuf. Yusuf was taken to Egypt. So, in any case, in Egypt then, the Aziz, the minister of the king, sees him and buys him. 
And as we said, Yusuf was, uh, was someone who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given a lot of beauty to. He was a very beautiful, very handsome individual. It comes in the hadith that half of the beauty was given to Yusuf alayhi so Very handsome individual, very beautiful, even as a child, uh, as an adult. And so uh, uh, when the Aziz of Misr, and Aziz here is not the, the king, but he was the minister. Somebody who held a very high position, high-ranking uh, official position in the court of the king. When he saw him, he purchased him. And seeing Yusuf alayhi salam, he uh, had this idea that, you know what, perhaps maybe we can take him as a son. So, The one who purchased him in Egypt, he says to his wife, Make sure that his stay here is nice. Make sure that his stay here is comfortable. Perhaps he will benefit us. Or perhaps we take him as our own son. We adopt him. This is how we establish Yusuf on the earth. And so that we may teach him the interpretation of dreams. And Allah is dominant. Allah is overpowering. Allah overwhelms all things. Here, ala amrihi, in the in the matter of Yusuf However, most people don't know. This is something I think of a very a lot of importance here. The recognition that the one who's in control of everything is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person should not be deceived into thinking that he or she is in control. Every single thing is in the control of Allah. Allah is ghalib. Most people don't recognize this. Just take in the story of Yusuf salam. At this point in the story, if you didn't know what, were to, what was to transpire later on, if you were to just look at this part of the story, the beginning part of the story, where his brothers threw him in the well, and some uh, a, a caravan and some merchants take him and they sell him, what would one person think? Subhanallah, that's the that's end. But Allah is dominant. Allah is overpowering. Allah overwhelms all matters. And so even in the story of Yusuf who's in control? It's not the brothers. The, don't think that uh, it's the brothers who, who set in motion something. The, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that set all of this in motion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. What's the wisdom behind what Allah ta'ala does and why He does it? You and I may not be able to recognize at that moment. If we were to look at this part of the story of Yusuf where he's thrown in the well, and we don't know what's to transpire, we would assume that that's it. What's going to come out, what's going to come out of it? Right? Likewise, there are many incidents that happen in the life of the Prophet ﷺ where a person would have concluded that, you know what, this is the end. Take for example, the hijrah, the migration from Mecca to Medina. Nabi ﷺ is forced to leave Mecca Mukarramah. The situation that surrounds him in Mecca at this point now is that the Quraysh has, have come together in agreement to assassinate the Prophet ﷺ, to kill the Prophet ﷺ. In fact, they are surrounding the house of the Prophet ﷺ, ready to strike him if he leaves. And Nabi ﷺ leaves 
and none of them have any idea. That's the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is in control. Nabi Sasan leaves his home, he reads the ayah. وَجَعَلْنَا مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ سَدًّا وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ سَدًّا فَأَغْشَيْنَاهُمْ فَهُمْ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ As he reads this, he throws dust on their faces and they have no idea that he leaves right among their, uh, 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 in their midst. And that's not it. He takes a different route to Medina Munawwara to ensure that no one pursues him. Yet, when he goes to Ghari Thawr, which is south of Makkah, he doesn't go directly to Medina Munawwara. He goes south first to, 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 to the cave of Thawr. Him and Abu Bakr Siddiq hide there for a duration of time. And there, look at the, how Allah Ta'ala uses His creation to help. A spider draws its web. Two doves come lay their eggs there. And it so happens that the mushrikeen of Makkah do end up catching up with the Prophet but they have no idea that the Prophet is hiding in that same cave that they are right now walking around. To such an extent, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu remarks that the feet of the mushrikeen we could see and had they simply looked down, they would have been able to see us. But at that time, Nabi Sallallahu has had full certainty in the promise of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Nabi Sallallahu says to Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ma dhannuka bithnayni Allahu thalithuhuma What do you think of those two individuals whom Allah is the third? And Allah Ta'ala mentioned the Qur'an, إِلَّا تَنْصُرُوهُ فَقَدْ نَصَرَهُ اللَّهُ You don't want to help him? No worries. Allah helped him before. نَصَرَهُ اللَّهُ إِذْ أَخْرَجَهُ الَّذِينَ كَفَهُ ثَانِيَ اثْنَيْنِ إِذْ هُمَا فِي الْغَارِ إِذْ يَقُولُ لِصَاحِبِهِ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't grieve. Allah Ta'ala is with us. So Allah is in control of all the matters. Huh. At that moment, you, you and I may not know what the wisdom of Allah Ta'ala is. We are in a situation today. We have no idea. We don't know when it's when this is going to end. Every day, you know, there are people who are constantly looking at numbers and what's happening. and You have no idea. There are projections that are made and whatnot. Allah Ta'ala is in control. وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِي وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ That's why at all stages of one's life, one should put their trust in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Put your trust in Allah. أُفَوِّضُ أَمْرِي إِلَى اللَّهِ I put my trust, I put my matters in the hands of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And that's why then one who knows then the story of Yusuf Alayhisam, look from where he was to where he goes. Right? He's now in the house of the Aziz. But even then, there's constant trials. This is the, the life of this dunya is one of constant trials. It's one of trials. It's one of test. As long as you're in the dunya, you are going to be tested. It's foolish to think that a person in the dunya is not tested. Sometimes we think that a person who is in a good condition, that there's no test, Allah Ta'ala is not testing him. His good condition is a test for him. What does he do? Allah Ta'ala gives somebody wealth. That wealth is a test for, for that individual. What is he going to do with his wealth? Is he going to thank Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala or not? So at every moment, one should regard their life as a test. Every moment, 
that you have is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is a person going to do? الذي خلق الموت والحياة ليبلوكم أيكم أحسن عملا. He created death and life to test to see which of you is best indeed. In any case, Yusuf عليه السلام then grows up in the household of this Aziz. ولما بلغ أشده آتيناه حكما وعلما. And when he reaches the age of maturity, Allah سبحانه وتعالى grants him. Knowledge and wisdom, وَكَذَلِكَ نَجْزِ الْمُحْسِنِينَ And this is the this is how we compensate. This is how what we give to those who do good. Muhsin is somebody who tries their best to perfect their actions for the sake of Allah Taala. Allah Taala says in another place in the Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Allah Subhanahu wa Taala does not waste the actions of those who do good. Muhsin is not just a person who does the action is a person who strives to perfect his actions. He doesn't simply pray five times a day. He prays five times a day trying to improve his prayer. He doesn't just simply read Quran every day, recite Quran every day. He or she strives to perfect their recitation. He or she simply doesn't do dhikr for the sake of doing dhikr and just to get over it. I have to do a hundred times, you know, astaghfirullah and so astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. No, he or she tries to perfect it. That's muhsinin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how Allah ta'ala rewards those who are muhsinin. Allah ta'ala grants them more knowledge, more wisdom, more nur. It's mentioned, man amila bima alima allamahu allahu ma lam ya'lam. One who practices, one who acts on what he knows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants them knowledge of what Allah ta'ala grants him knowledge of what he didn't know. There's a nur. Allah ta'ala produces a nur in the heart of a person. When a person strives to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala puts nur in his heart. And it's that through that nur that he's able to see them. As it comes in another narration, اِتَّقُوا فِرَاسَةَ الْمُؤْمِنِ فَإِنَّهُ يَنْظُرُ بِنُورِ اللَّهِ Beware! of the insight of the believer. Because he sees with the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How is that nur created? That nur is created when a person strives to perfect his deeds. In any case, now Yusuf is a young man. This is youth. And the one whose home he's in, the wife of Aziz, she becomes infatuated with Yusuf this is one of the biggest trials and fitnas is, uh, uh, is infatuation. A person becomes infatuated with someone who they're not supposed to have any relation except through either nikah. And through this, this becomes a way then for sin. It opens the doors for zina and it opens the doors for other sins of that nature. وراودته التي هو في بيتها عن نفسه وغلقت الأبواب وقالت هيت لك. She becomes infatuated and she devises a plan. One day when Yusuf عليه السلام is home, she locks all the doors. She locks all the doors and she now tries to force Yusuf عليه السلام. And when Yusuf sees this, he seeks the protection of Allah. قَالَ مَعَاذَ اللَّهِ 
I seek the protection of Allah. Indeed, my Lord has provided me with the, with the best of arrangements. One who transgresses will never be successful. And she desired him. And he would have desired her had he not seen the evidence from Allah Ta'ala. Here, this is, talks about a very important creed of the Muslims. And that is Ismatul Anbiya. That is that the, all the prophets of Allah Ta'ala are divinely protected by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. They cannot commit a sin. One who is bringing you revelation from Allah, one who is a messenger of Allah, one who is sent as a prophet of Allah, who is trying to uh, invite the people towards Allah, who is sent as a prophet, he cannot be someone who is engaged in sin. Otherwise, nobody would believe him. So one of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is He protects the anbiya from sins. And this is one of those examples where Allah ta'ala protected Yusuf alayhi salam from sin. Likewise, we turn away evil and indecency. We, tur we turn away from Him. Indeed, He was from our chosen servants. One thing that you know our mashayikh write is that uh, these types of relationships, okay, gender relations today, subhanallah, uh, the environment we live in, sometimes we feel like we're forced to have these types of gender relations. These are very dangerous. It is because of familiarity with an individual that that opens up doors to different types of sin. That's why. Nabi and the Quran it cuts off the even possibility of, of gaining familiarity with those individuals that are not from your mahram Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran tell the believing men that they should lower their eyes and they should guard their private parts and this hukum is not only given to men this hukum is not only given to men, it's given to women too. The following ayah. Tell the believing women that they should lower their eyes and they should guard their private parts. This is how shaitan, you know, a person thinks growing up, oh, you know what, I'll never be, you know, this, this sin will never happen. I, I'm very careful. But what happens? You become familiar with an individual, you see an individual, you see the individual often now, you start talking to the individual, that leads to something, that leads to something, and then if, subhanallah, you end up committing the haram. Person ends up committing zina. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, He didn't say don't commit fornication. Allah ta'ala says, La taqrabu zina, don't come close to zina. Any anything that would lead to zina, all of those things are also prohibited then. Why? Because they are things that will eventually lead a person to zina. And no doubt, this is one of the biggest fitnas and biggest challenges if a person has to face it. And in the hadith, it comes that on Yawmul Qiyamah, seven individuals, seven categories of individuals will be under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne on a day when there will be no other shade except for the shade of Allah's throne. One of those individuals is Rajulun Da'atu Imra'atun 
ذات منصب وجمال فقالت إني أخاف الله A woman of status A woman of beauty Invites him to commit haram And he in response says إني أخاف الله I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And he turns away That individual will have the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne Likewise in the same hadith Nabi Sallallahu one of the individuals Allah Ta'ala Nabi Sallallahu mentions this Shabun nasha'a fi ibadati rabbi is a young individual young man young woman who grows up worshiping Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala that person will also be under the shade of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's throne why because in your youth you have the ability to do whatever you want and the repercussions and consequences don't seem as dire as they are when you're older. Person who's more, who's older, who has responsibility, who's accountable for other individuals. Persons married, they have children. They think twice about committing sins. Why? Because now it's possible that maybe they have a standing in society. They have a family now they have to care, take care of. They don't have time to think about it. But young individuals, they have all the time. And the repercussions may not be as they are for a person who's older, especially in terms of the dunyawi aspect. Ha, of course, in the, from, the, from the perspective of the hereafter, any sin is a sin. Any disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a sin. It doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're old. It is disobedience to Allah. But in the dunya, from a dunyawi perspective, from a, purely, from a pure worldly perspective, a person who is young, uh, the repercussions that may be on him for committing a sin may be Less than compared to somebody who's older. And so that's why this type of individual who's young, and despite being young, they could do anything. They spend their time in the ibadah of Allah Ta'ala. Shabun nasha'a fi ibadati rabbi. That person, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, will grant him his shade on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the shade of his throne. Khair. وَاسْتَبَقَ الْبَابَ وَقَدَّتْ We are now on ayah number 25. They both run to the door. Yusuf is running. Uh, the wife of Aziz, her name as it appears in, in the books of Tafsir is Zulaikha. She runs after Yusuf and she rips the shirt of Yusuf from the back. Right? Yusuf is running. She's running behind him. And as she tries to grab him, she grabs uh, his shirt and it ends up tearing from the back. And as soon as he approaches the door, Alfa ya Sayyida Harad al-Bab, Aziz, he is right at the door. They find him there. And immediately, immediately her tone changes. What should be the, the uh, punishment of one who intends evil with your family, except that he should be imprisoned? Or some sort of, you know, uh, uh, a severe punishment should be given to him. Subhanallah. Now, in general, a person is going to do what? They're more inclined to believe their wife. Especially in this matter where it's a matter of, of honor too. It's a matter of dignity. And so at that time then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he immediately, Yusuf alayhi salam, he, he, he says, قَالَ هِيَ رَاوَدَتْنِي She was the one who was infatuated with me. She is the one who tried to seduce me. An-nafsi. And from the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it comes 
in the books of Tafsir that there was a young baby. There was a baby, uh, perhaps an infant, a toddler, uh, that was from the family of of of, uh, uh, of Zulaikha, who ended up speaking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted this child the ability to speak. And this child is not old enough to speak. And so as a miracle, this child is now speaking on behalf of Yusuf And subhanallah, uh, it's not just that Allah Ta'ala has the baby speak. If Allah Ta'ala wanted, Allah Ta'ala could have had the baby just say, Yusuf is innocent. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala didn't have the child say this. Rather, Allah Ta'ala had the child say something very logical. Otherwise, just the fact that a baby is speaking is a miracle on its own. And this also is not outside the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as everything is in the control of Allah ta'ala, everything is in the creation of Allah ta'ala. If Allah ta'ala wills that a child who is an infant, a toddler who normally cannot speak, if Allah ta'ala wills that the child speaks, the child can speak. And it comes in the, in the books of Tafsir that this incident where a child speaks happened about three or four times. One of them is mentioned in the Quran. One of them explicitly is mentioned in the Qur'an, and that is of, of the Prophet Isa alayhi salam. Isa alayhi salam, uh, when Maryam alayhi salam, when she brings forth Isa alayhi salam, he's, a ta- he's an infant. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered her to, to not speak to anyone. And so when she comes, uh, the people who are close to her, they, they, they start to, of course, uh, for, um, what, what else are they supposed to, to think? Say, so you, O Maryam, you are from a noble family. Your father was a noble individual. Your mother was somebody who was noble, who was, who was an honorable woman. She did not commit anything indecent. What's this? And so what did Allah Ta'ala uh, order Maryam a.s.? If someone asks, you point to the child. And that's what Maryam a.s. did. فَأَشَارَتْ إِلَيْهِ When they said, how can a child, who a baby, who, an infant who is in the cradle, how can he speak? And at that very moment, Isa salam begins to speak. I am a servant of Allah. Allah Ta'ala has given me and honored me with the book. And he has made me a prophet. This is from one of the miracles of Isa alayhi wa that he could speak, he would speak to the people in the cradle, just as he would, just as a person would speak as an adult. So this is not beyond the power of Allah Ta'ala because nothing is beyond the power of Allah Ta'ala. So here to assist and to show the innocence of another prophet, Yusuf alayhi if a child speaks, this is not impossible. So this Shahid al-Shahid, this witness who saw it happening, he says, what? إِنْ كَانَ قَمِيسُهُ قُدَّمٍ قُبُرٍ فَصَدَقَتْ وَهُوَ مِنَ الْكَاذِبِينَ If his shirt is torn from the front, then she is speaking the truth and he is from those who are liars. وَإِنْ كَانَ قَمِيسُهُ However, if his shirt قُدَّمٍ دُبُرٍ It's torn from the back. فَكَذَبَتْ وَهُوَ مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ She is lying and he is from those who are honest. So when Aziz saw that the shirt was torn from the back, he realized, this is, this is a plot from you. At this time, then he says to Yusuf, Yusuf, oh Yusuf, please look away from this. Any turn away from this, you know, please ignore it. 
And he turns to his wife and he says, Seek forgiveness for your sin. You're the one who is from the wrongdoers. This is your mistake. However, somehow the word got out. Of course, you know, when, when something like this happens to a, to a, a family of, of nobles, it's not something, you know, small. Something happens to, to a family uh, of nobility, of, of uh, standing and status. People start talking. And so this kind of spreads among the women. They start talking about it. This is something that we have to be very careful of as, as a general principle. Anytime you hear any story about another individual, true or false, don't be somebody who participates in spreading those rumors. It could be true, it could be false. In fact, the very definition of backbiting is to spread information about another individual that's true. That's the very definition of backbiting. So we have to be very careful about that. This is a, one of the most heinous actions is to backbite about another individual. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, would you like to eat the flesh of your deceased brother? Well, that's what it's like. Individual who you speak about behind his back, something that he would not be happy with. And you, you, you mention that. It's as if you are eating his flesh, his dead flesh. On the flip side, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Nabi Sallallahu says in the hadith, مَنْ سَتَرَ عَوْرَةَ أَخِيهِ سَتَرَ اللَّهُ لَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ One who hides the sin of his brother, Allah will hide that person's sins on يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ One who hides the sins of his brother, Allah will hide that person's sins on يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ Okay. In any case, the talk goes around among the women of of uh, of that area وَقَالَ نِسْوَةٌ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ إِمْرَأَةُ الْعَزِيزِ تُرَاوِدُ فَتَاهَ عَنْ نَفْسِ How could the wife of Aziz that she's infatuated and she tried to seduce him قَدْ شَغْفَغَفَهَا حُبَّا إِنَّا لَنَرَاهَا فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينَ This information that the women are talking about her This reaches Zulaikha That the women are talking about me That they're saying this about me And they have no idea what situation I'm in so when she hears this, she comes up with another plan, with another plot. What does she do? She invites all these women. High status. She invites all of them. She gives each one of them, you know, fruits to cut. And she gives each one of them a knife. Sikkin is a knife. And when they're, they're you know busy cutting their, their fruits and whatnot, at that time, she calls Yusuf a.s. She orders Yusuf a.s. to come. قالت, she says, come. فَلَمَّا رَأَيْنَهُ When they saw Yusuf a.s. أَكْبَرْنَهُ وَقَطَّعْنَ أَيْدِيَهُنَّ وَقُلْنَ حَاشَ لِلَّهِ مَا هَذَا بَشَرًا They, when they saw Yusuf a.s., they, 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 they had never set eyes on an individual as handsome as Yusuf a.s. And in the process, of, of being in this state, they cut their hands. They cut their fingers. So this individual, this is not a human being. In hala illa malakun karim. This is a, 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 like an angel. 
And then she, this was her whole plot, said, look, you blame me. You blame me f- f- for for my situation. When this is your condition when you see Yusuf, this is what you blame me for? I tried to seduce him, but he sought protection. Yani Allah Ta'ala protected him. And now she warns Yusuf She threatens him. If you don't do as I command, you will definitely be put in prison. And you will be somebody who is disgraced. And I'll make sure that you're disgraced. At this time, Yusuf makes dua. Yusuf says, Rabbi, السِّجْنُ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا يَدْعُونَنِي إِلَيْهِ Oh my Lord, prison is more beloved to me than what they are inviting me towards. And so as he makes this dua, وَإِلَّا تَصْرِفْ عَنِّي كَيْدَهُنَّ أَصْبُ إِلَيْهِنَّ وَأَكُمْ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ If you don't turn me away from this sin, I fear that I may fall. I may, may fall to it. And I'll be from those who are jahil. Why? Because <clears throat> ilm, true ilm is something that protects a person from sin. The absence of true ilm is what? Jahala. It's ignorance. A person who commits sin, he could be an, a person who has a lot of knowledge, but if he is committing sin, he is in fact jahil. He doesn't have true ilm. He, he just has information. You can have the ilm. A person could have memorized the Quran. A person could, have, could understand the whole Quran. A person knows all the hadith, and yet they are committing sins. Any they're consistently committing sins. This is a sign of jahala, not a sign of ilm. True ilm, proper ilm, protects a person from sin. And if a person falls in, uh, in sin, in fact, a person does, a person will fall in sin. It's the nature of insan. It's not about if, it's when. It can happen. And when it does happen, a, a sign of true ilm is that the person makes tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِن لَمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ They beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. At this time, Yusuf alayhi salam seeing the situation, he immediately makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From here we learn another lesson. And that is, if you are ever in a situation where a sin, where you are facing a sin, your nafs is desiring to commit a sin and all the doors to commit that sin have become easy for you. At that time, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sincere dua. Ya Allah, protect me from the sin. Ya Allah, protect me from the sin. Ya Allah, protect me from it. Make sincere dua. And as I mentioned last week too, there are often times when it comes with, sin, with sins, there are certain triggers. Sins come with triggers. So you make sure you stay away from those triggers. And anytime you are faced with a sin, immediately, first thing your attention should go to, Ya Allah, please protect me. Ya Allah, please protect me. At the same time, this also shows us another principle. And that is, be careful what you make dua for. You don't know at what time Allah Ta'ala accepts which dua. If you make a dua and Allah Ta'ala accepts it, right? And you're not, you don't pay attention to what you're making, and that dua comes true, it may put you in more difficulty. Now, of course, this is all in the story of Yusuf salam, And there's a, always remember that for a mu'min, for a believer, no doubt there's a divine wisdom in anything that happens to him or her. 
But as a general principle, you have to you you when you make dua, you make dua for the best. Nabi Sallallahu taught us that when a person there are certain principles that Nabi Sallallahu taught us when it comes to dua. For example, when a person makes dua, don't say Ya Allah if you want to accept. What does it mean if Allah Taala wants to accept? Of course. Anything and everything that happens is if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to accept. But you as a servant, you don't say that. You say, Ya Allah, please accept my dua. Because we are muhtaj. We are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are in need that Allah accept our duas. So we show that need. We don't say, if if you wish, Ya Allah. This, this uh, saying, if you wish, Ya Allah, that's a sign that maybe you're, you're, not, de- you're not dependent on the duas. You're not dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't say if. Say, Ya Allah, please accept it. Say in a way where you need, you need Allah ta'ala to accept those du'as. We are the ones that are in need. That's how you make the du'a. And whenever you make du'a, make du'a of good. Don't ever ask for something that will put you in more difficulty. We are servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are already weak. We we acknowledge our weakness. We say, Ya Allah, we're weak. Ya Allah, put us in, in, a, in ease. For in difficulty you make dua, Ya Allah, please remove the difficulty. You don't say, Ya Allah, if you put me in difficulty, okay, I'm happy with it. You don't say that. Huh, you could be content with whichever state you're in. At the same time you make dua, Ya Allah, please make this easy for me. Ya Allah, please make this easy for me. Any contentment here means that you're not complaining to Allah about the decision of Allah. You can you can complain to Allah in the sense that you mentioned, Ya Allah, I'm in this illness, Ya Allah, I have this, you know, weakness, Ya Allah, uh, uh, I'm in this situation, Ya Allah, I'm very weak, Ya Allah, please remove this from me, Ya Allah, please e- make this easy for me, Ya Allah, uh, give me afiyah, and so on. So, in any case, this is what Yusuf salam says, and immediately, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ فَصَرَفَ عَنْهُ كَيْدَهُنْ so Allah accepted his dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned their plot against uh, turned him away turned uh, uh, their plot away from him and indeed Allah is Allah is the all hearing all hearing all known after a while then Yusuf alayhi salam the Aziz of Misr he didn't know what to do with the situation now situation escalated First it was just his wife, now all the wives of the of the nobles. Now they're all part of this, you know, problem. Of what to do? The best uh, solution that he felt was send Yusuf to prison. And so at this stage then Yusuf is sent to prison. In prison he meets two individuals. Now how long he stayed in prison, Allah Ta'ala knows best. There are different you know narrations about it. Um, but he stayed for a good amount of time. And again, Allah Ta'ala, whatever situation He puts you in, from our perspective, from our side, we try to take full advantage of whatever opportunity is given to us. Yusuf is in prison. What does Yusuf do? Number one, in prison, Yusuf character is impeccable. He's a prophet of Allah. Those who are around him notice this. They notice that Yusuf is not an ordinary individual. He's a person very respectable, very honorable individual. And so uh, seeing this, there were two other companions that were with Yusuf and each one of them sees a dream. 
Two young men enter uh, and one of them sees in his dream that he is making wine. And another one sees that he's carrying bread and uh, the birds are eating from that bread. So they go to Yusuf and they ask for its interpretation. This also teaches us that if you ever have a dream and you want to get it interpreted, Okay, if you have a dream and you feel like that dream is significant and you want to get it interpreted, get it interpreted by someone who is knowledgeable and someone who is pious. Okay, One who has knowledge of the Kitab and Sunnah and one who is righteous, one who you trust. Okay, Because when a person interprets the dream, the dream is then actualized, it's real, it happens. And so a person who is able to understand and, and uh, has their ilm of how to interpret the dreams, he'll be able to, to know exactly what the, you know, or I mean, uh, of course, keep in mind one thing about dreams is that dreams, I mentioned this last time too, is for us, for all other individuals outside, besides the anbiya, dreams are not a hujjah. They could indicate to something, they could uh, draw our attention towards something, but they are not a hujjah. That's why if a dream encourages you to do something that is against the sharia, you don't follow it. And if the dream is encouraging you something good, in addition to the fara'id, okay, no problem. In recent times, it's you know one of the things that was spread on uh, the um, on social media was Mufti Taqi Uthmani, Hafizullah. He mentioned that uh, a very pious individual who he knows saw a dream where Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who Nabi saw some frequents him in his dream, and he saw uh, Nabi sallallahu alaihi said you know recite uh, certain kalimat you know this many number of times, and so Mufti Taqi Sahab Hafizullah he mentioned this. Mashallah, if a person is able to do it, good. If you're not able to do it, no problem. It's not something binding. That's the idea. A dream is not something that is binding for other individuals. Ha, for Anbiya, dream serves, serves as a wahi, as a revelation. So, what does Yusuf do at this situation? He takes opportunity of the, uh, he takes advantage of the opportunity that's given to him. He's in prison. A person in prison. Uh, subhanallah, uh, you know, a prison is probably one of those places uh, that you, at times, you lose all hope. And at that time, Yusuf salam is taking advantage of the opportunity. What does he say? He says, لا يأتيكما طعام ترزقاني إلا نبأتكما بتأويله No sooner will the food come that you will eat, except that I will already have Interpreted the dreams for you. Yani, before the next meal comes, I'll have already interpreted the dream for you. However, before that, before that, I want to say something. So, this is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught me. Okay? What advantage that Yusuf take at this time? He invites the people towards Allah. He invites these two people towards Allah. 
I, I don't worship what the people are worshiping. I've left whatever the people are worshiping. And I worship, I follow the path of my forefathers, Ibrahim, Ishaq, and Yaqub. Yaqub is his father. Ishaq is his grandfather. Ibrahim is his great-grandfather. It is not for us that we associate partners with Allah. And that is from the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on us and on the people. However, most people don't show thanks to Allah. Every single thing that we have is from the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most people don't show gratitude towards that. <clears throat> Any case, this continues. The, the story behind these two individuals was the king at that time, uh, some individuals made a plot to assassinate the king. And so these con uh, conspirators, they, they got the chef of the king as well as his winemaker. They got him involved and conspire in the plot to, plot to assassinate the king. And the plan was that the, the one who makes the wine, he will put poison in the cup of the king. And the one who cooks the food, he will put poison in the food. When the time came to put the poison, the one who makes, made the wine, he, uh, uh, he decided to inform the king. But the one who, uh, who had put the poison in the, 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 the bread, in the food, he had already put the poison. However, before the, the king could eat, uh, he was informed. But because of this, both of them were sent to prison. Why? Because the winemaker was also part of the, the plot to assassinate him. He was also a conspirator. So for that, both of them were sent into prison. And awaiting their trial, what would happen? So when they saw this dream, now Yusuf after inviting them toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now he interprets the dream. In the dream that he interprets of the first individual who saw that he's he's making wine, is that you will you will be freed from prison, you will be forgiven, and you will be allowed to continue to serve the king and to make wine for him. As far as the other individual who actually went out and carried out the action, even though his, his plot failed, but because he carried out the action, uh, he will be given the death penalty. He will be crucified. And that's how Yusuf then interpreted the dream. That as far as the other individual, this is now ayah number 41. As for one of you, any the first of you, you will continue to provide wine for your for your king. As far as the other one, uh, he will be uh he will be crucified. And when a person is crucified, his body will be left. And you know, birds, scavengers, they'll they'll come and they'll eat from his body. This is the matter that has been decreed about which you have asked uh, uh, for. Uh, and at that time, uh, the one who he Yusuf salam, thought that now he's about to be freed, Yusuf salam, says to him, Mention me to your Lord. Mention me to the king. Okay, but Shaytan caused this individual to forget, and this person forgot to mention Yusuf to the king, and so Yusuf had to stay some more years in the prison. Bid'a sinin, scholars say bid'a is referred to a number between three and nine. So any amount of time between three and nine years, um, on top of what Yusuf was in prison, top of that he continued to stay another three to nine years in the prison. 
we'll stop here inshallah and we'll continue with the rest of the story uh, next Monday um, I think one of the most important things that I want to end off here with that we learned today is taking advantage of the opportunity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives no matter what situation you're in there's always an opportunity for us to take advantage of it's just a matter of changing our focus and finding that opportunity and taking advantage of it. The situation we're in, how do we take advantage of it? By increasing our ibadah. And ibadah, no doubt, is one thing that it requires habit, it requires consistency. This is a very good opportunity for us to build good habits. And the key about habits is that whether you like to do it or you don't, if you're going to wait for motivation, if you're going to wait for, okay, you know what, the day that I'm motivated, that's what I'm going to do, you know, such, you know, X, Y, and Z good actions, it's not going to come. And if it comes, it's going to only last for a short amount of time. Maybe you feel motivated one day, next day you don't feel motivated. You feel motivated one day, you hear a talk, maybe for a week you're motivated and then motivation dies out. The key to success is consistency. Whether you feel motivated or you don't, you keep a regimen for yourself. You keep a schedule and you follow that. Every day I'm going to recite Quran at this time for this much, for this many minutes or you know this much amount, you stick with it. Whether you feel like doing it or you don't. I have to wake up for Fajr. Whether I feel like doing it or not, I'm going to do it. When a person consistently does that, eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy and that becomes a habit. And that's something we we find uh, in even our worldly life. Initially, when you when you start something, it's very difficult. Take for example your first day at work. You you start a new job. It's difficult, right? You're not used to to that surrounding. You're not used to that environment. You're not used to to, to maybe what what you're doing. But you do it over and over. You every day you go consistently from you know uh, nine to five. What happens? You become used to it. You build a habit and the thing becomes easy for you. Take anything. And once you cut yourself off, you cut yourself off from the action. Now it becomes hard to get back. I mean, you look at, you know, at school, uh, students had a spring break. One week, now one week, fine, not that bad. But what happens? In one week, if you are not consistent with your daily routine, what happens when the first day of school comes back? It's very difficult. You have to like get yourself to it. So it's the same thing with good actions. You have to be consistent. And so right now is actually a very good opportunity for us that we should take advantage of uh, making... And the best way to take advantage of time is by making a schedule for yourself. At this time, I'm going to do this. At this time, I'm going to do that. And sticking to it. Sticking to it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protect us from the, the current uh, climate, from the current situation. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for those who uh, are sick, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them shifa. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq that they, we take full advantage of the situation that we're in. Subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdi. Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.